Hello all, my name is Chris Hayden. I am the pastor at Kindred UMC and one of the hosts of the Kindred Spirits Enneagram podcast, which you are listening to right now. Uh, This week we have Matt Kern, the Honorable Right Reverend Matt Kern, I might add, uh, who in addition to being a fellow uh, United Methodist pastor is also a hospice chaplain and a good friend of ours, a friend of mine, friend of ours at uh, Kindred UMC. So as always, please check out our Instagram, our Facebook, and our YouTube channel. We have our live show every Sunday night at 6 p.m. And rate, review, subscribe, share, all of that helps. With no further ado, away we go. There he is. Oh, that's a Craig bot. Gotcha. Now <laughs> recording. Uh, Matt Kern, you are now being recorded. Hello, all Matt right. Kern. So I'm going to need you to really stop saying all that like racist and sexist stuff that you've been saying. Oh, yeah. Because you you're being me. recorded now. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know me. <laughs> I don't think the races should mix, and I think women belong in the kitchen. And... You can't that, say that. Crackpot's recording. Well, good thing I never did. <laughs> oh, just going to throw me under the bus like that. I uh, am. Uh, throw you right back. Well, yeah, I was literally throwing you. <laughs> uh, welcome, Matt Kern. It's a pleasure to see, even though virtually over the internet, it's still a pleasure to see your beautiful face. Thank you. Appreciate it. This is the second time I've seen your beautiful face today virtually. That's as, right. As, I saw yes. you popped up. There were so many people on the uh, Zoom call that like there were like a couple of pages. And yeah. then eventually somebody I knew would pop up. And, hey, there's Caitlin. <laughs> hey, there's yeah. Ben. Ben's in my covenant group. Uh, Matt Kern. There's Matt Kern. <laughs> and then just as quickly, we got, you're, we got uh, beamed up. Yeah, you're right. I was so tempted. Like, I'm such a ham. I wanted to do like a because because they we were on a giant Zoom call together, and then they like they like transport you into another room. Like somebody was managing the into another chat room, quote unquote. And I was so tempted when they told me to be like, whoa! But I just I didn't. I chickened out. It would, it would have been such a good bit, and I chickened out. I think it would have been received. How did your uh, okay. How did your interview go? Yeah, not bad. Um, we, you know, the the couple points that I felt like were going to be up for discussion, we discussed, and it was fine. Um, oh. and, yeah, I know. And then this was just a check in, you know. Just I'm, I'm not it's even just positive. A continuance. Yes, yes. So I, I've done it before. It wasn't a big deal, but. Um, that not not to dive right into the the culture of this podcast as a certain number on the Enneagram, which I I won't reveal yet. <laughs> there was plenty of reason for me to oh, be angsty to going into this meeting. Oh yeah, this is just typical blank number me. <laughs> well, why don't we? So I actually why don't have we, a very specific question about that. Okay. Why don't we uh, go ahead and take that as an opportunity to dive right in, Matt Kern? Even though I know the answer to this question, have you had the opportunity to identify your Enneagram number? I have. Yes, I have. And are you ready? Are you prepared both physically and spiritually to reveal to the world your Enneagram number? Only physically, but let's do it anyways. 
Okay. <laughs> Good Let's enough. Do this. <laughs> what did you get? Uh, yeah. Hi, everyone. My name is Matt Kern. Hi, Matt. And I am an Enneagram 6. Ooh, type Yes, I found it interesting too. Once I was first, can I say diagnosed? Once I first discovered I was a six, I pushed back initially. I was going to say, I don't know that everyone that's does. Really best for you. But yeah. the one that makes you cringe is the one that's, that's it. Uh, yes. And when I heard that, I'm like, okay, well, I guess I got my answer because I'm cringing pretty hard. <laughs> okay, so for those of the, for the uninitiated, what is type six? All right. So this is the part where I'm going to say a bunch of things. Um, I say it all as statement, but I mean it as question. And we kind of break yeah. this podcast up into three parts. So we're going to start with just basics about your number and wing. Um, and then we'll move into subtype and then we'll move into some inner child stuff for funsies. Oh, Lordy. And By so the way, this is a format <laughs> that Courtney has entirely come up with on her own. As we've done the podcast, she she did not ch run it by me at all. She just like was like, all right, this is how the conversations are going to go. <laughs> and and <laughs> by the way, that. very grateful for it, because otherwise I'll just end up talking about MMA for the for two hours. For the first 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, and a little bit of imposed structure goes a long way with me. Six have a lot to get into, so we'll have a good <clears throat> a good bit of things to pick from. So um, talking about type six. So type six, um, they are the loyalists. They are the most loyal type on the Enneagram. Um, and so their core desire is to be secure and supported. Um, me. So, yes. so safety and support are everything to them. Um, mm -hmm. Type sixes, actually, fun fact, kind of like how type ones are the only number on the Enneagram to have an inner. Type ones, which are? Uh, the moral perfectionist. Type ones are the only number on Courtney the Enneagram. Courtney speaks fluently in Enneagram. She doesn't understand that other people speak it as a second yes, language sorry. or no language at all. Yeah. So type ones are the only number on the Enneagram to have an inner critic. Type six has something like that, but it's not a critic. Um, type six is the only. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're you're like racing over incredibly complex, like ideas and <laughs> concepts here. So type one has an inner critic. Yes. Which is like an internal voice that's constantly like that could be better. That could be better. That could be better. Yes. Okay. Correct. Yeah, and, and type one is the only one that really has that. Yes. Allegedly. Sometimes I'm not if you have entirely a wing, convinced, but I'll accept if it. If you have a wing of one, you can like have some of that. Like Matt yeah. Martin is a nine wing one and he definitely has some inner critic tendencies. Uh, I had a lot of it before before my big kind of like transfer transformative experience. And you're a counter type four that acts like a one, so that acts like a one. To me, <laughs> like these it, are all words that... Yeah, the voice of my uh, insecurity was, you could be better, you could be better, you could be better. Yes. Mm, yeah. Mm. So... It wasn't always there, but in my most insecure, that's what was there. So that's very specific to type ones. Um, you're obviously not a one, but I say that to say that this is another number on the Enneagram spectrum that has a particular trait that other numbers don't have. Um, and that is what's called the inner committee. 
So type sixes have <laughs> any number of people in their circle that they designate as really, really important to them. Um, type sixes often have a hard time trusting their own voice. And so before uh, making decisions, they'll run all of their decisions by all of the people in their inner committee so that yeah. they can feel supported as they're making that decision. Uh, can you identify with that? Oh, can too we pause much. there? Because I'm just seeing uh, a lot of eyes rolled. I'm, I'm, I'm fidgeting, I'm eye rolling, I'm sighing because that, that cannot be more accurate for me. I have historical accounts of when I did exactly this, not knowing that was my MO as far as the anagram goes. Oh, it's incredible. I, and by the way, and you might get to this, not to leap forward ahead, for me, in context of what you were just saying, the word permission is very powerful for me. Mm. When I'm granted permission by the trusted people in my life, I will go, but I will not go until I'm granted permission from beyond myself. I really like that. That is a really oh, good way. Well, that. you can take it because I don't want it anymore. I just want to go without the permission. But <laughs> <laughs> so that's something really important to understand about um, type sixes. Um, the other thing that's really important to understand about type sixes, and this is kind of where I was like, oh, I have a very specific question for you. That's intriguing. Um, I can hear Bailey in the background. Yeah, she's being a little <laughs> bit of an ass right now. I mean, I think I'm playing. Um, yeah, and, even though and, she just went on a long walk and was at the dog park for an hour. Oh, and by the way, you might hear the joyful screeches of, of little ones upstairs. It's bedtime here, and that's always loud. So that's my background that. noise. You've got Bailey. <laughs> joyful I've got screeches. Oh, it's screams, so, yes. I don't know. Bailey's pretty little, so mm. go ahead. Six is because... So, okay, a six's core motivation, like we talked about, is safety and security, which means their core longing is to be safe. Because of that, sixes tend to be the most anxious type on the Enneagram. Now, there are two ways that that can go. Some sixes lean into that anxiety and become paralyzed in fear and don't want to do anything at all. They want to just be anxious and sit in their anxiousness. Other sixes are counterphobic. And so if they find themselves getting anxious about something, they go and they try to do it as hard as they could possibly do it to prove that they aren't actually anxious about it. It's, it's like the, op, it's the opposite. So why'd you become a chaplain? <laughs> um, that's, that's a larger story. I won't say long, but a larger story. But I, I, I hear maybe the question is coming from, wow, what an anxiety-ridden, perhaps unsafe <laughs> job. Wow, as just a, dive right in. As a former chaplain, <laughs> <laughs> yes. that's, a pretty, that's a pretty nightmare job for somebody whose primary <sighs> like, fear is anxiety. Yeah, a six's core fear is actually of fear itself and yeah. being abandoned. And I tell you what, a very short answer to that, because that's an excellent question. You called me out. That's great. Um, I, I am finding well, I was a my... I was trained to do this. I things. know. You know this stuff. Um, <laughs> as, I've, as I've transitioned, this is part of the larger story, as I've transitioned from being a pastor in the local church setting to being a chaplain in the field, if you will, I'm finding my safety in a, I will say, just kind of a typical business or style organization. Where I can say, I see the hierarchy, I see who's in charge, I see where I am down low, 
And I find safety in saying, wow, that's not my problem. That's not my problem. That's not my problem. I'm just going to go do my job and do it well. There's a certain safety in that that I did not have as a pastor of a church. I, I actually really identify with that. Yeah. I, like, I, I feel what you're saying in a big way. I felt that now this appointment is, is very different from a like, a, like a traditional style church. Um, but that was actually a difficult because so my I was a chaplain for a year at Tampa General Hospital and then went directly from that job into being a local pastor for like a, a you know, a fairly traditional Sunday morning old person church, you know, and that anxiety that you just labeled is something that was very real for me for the first year of that appointment. Yeah. It was the like. I'm in charge. I mean, I'm not really in charge, you know, because you're beholden to a lot of different forces in the local church. Um, But like that idea of, oh, no, 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 no. I'm used to getting like I get orders and then I go do those orders. Like I get get paged when an emergency comes in and then I go do that. (laughs) That's what I do. When I started in youth ministry, I felt that a little bit. Like, obviously, you have okay. a head pastor above you when you're doing that. But, like, to be in a position. Well, especially with John Legg. John yeah. Legg is, like. Here's the like, thing. John figure Legg, it out. Yeah, he's very, like, <laughs> you have the autonomy and capacity to do this. Yeah. And I'm not going to babysit you because it's going to set you up to fail. So, Ooh, that's very awesome. opposite of all of my ministry experience yeah. prior to being a youth pastor mm-hmm. at Aloma, where I was constantly, like, babysat in a way um so I, I felt that anxiety as well of like oh shit i'm supposed to like do this now i'm responsible for children's you, lives you come yeah. up with a curriculum for how to disciple teenagers <laughs> you're taking 12 <laughs> children out of state on a mission trip and driving yeah. a van and yeah yeah, yeah. i've got uh, some no. tips feel free to ask for some advice but figure it out Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> and here's the thing you brought it up i'm so glad you went there so soon because as much as i cringe and, and and whatever at my i'll keep saying diagnosis as a six that's just my own resistance it's, it's not a very noble it, i know they label it the loyalists but it's like it's riddled with anxiety and, and i need safeties and stuff where i redeem myself in my own psyche in my own ego is i came to discover i am a counterphobic six ah okay so that so, was my question Yes, and I, I kind of knew that was going to be your question. And the way that's it's not even a word to me, counterphobic. What does that even mean? It means <laughs> you're not tell you all about it. You're counterphobic. You're opposite antiphobic. Now here's the thing. I, I I have one foot in each pool. That's both okay. my feet. And in the sixes, I I what you described already. I have already three about feet in all the pools. <laughs> I have much. I have seventeen different feet. <laughs> So I, I have my anxieties and I will sit in my anxiety sometimes. But the way it's been interpreted to me, the counterphobic six, this variant of six, is when, um, when authority asserts itself uh, on its own namesake and says, I am the authority, you need to follow what I say because I say so. That's when I rear my head and I, be, and I act a little more like an eight, if that's possible. In, yeah, in the end, absolutely. Where it's like, oh, no, no. Now that you just claimed yourself authority, I'm pushing back. Oh, mm. that has played out a lot in my life. It makes Tell sense. Tell me a story. <laughs> Tell me a story and name names. 
Oh, and that's it. It's like, oh, how do I? It's so annoyed. I know. How do I redact all this? We um, only have I mean, like twenty-five I... people listening to this podcast. You're gonna be fine. <laughs> oh, good, good. Then I can just go and go and say what I want to say. Then, yeah. Um, I mean, really, again, in in the church setting, and and I've I've had instances where it's come in in that I'll be hierarchy. Right back. I'm gonna leave the camera, but I've still got my headset on, so I can hear everything you're saying. I'll be right I've, back. I've, I have lost him already. Sixes are so boring. I'm listening to, him. to you. <laughs> Um, both in, in the, the, the hierarchical structure of the local church, you know, where I was not the head person, you know, I've had those head people assert themselves and say, this is the way I want you to do it. I don't care what you think. Essentially, this is the way it's going to get done. And boy, did I, I rebel against that pretty hard. But also when I was the head person, if you will, in the local church setting, when people in, in a congregation would assert themselves on the grounds of, you know, I've been here so many generations, so many years, I've donated this, this much money to this church. You can't tell me that we're going to go in this direction now. Boy, I rebelled against that too. So I'm with you. I will listen until you say, hey, I'm, I'm the real deal. And I go, <laughs> hold, hold on my, a second. <laughs> you lost my me. Best, my best man in my wedding and my best good friend, John Wright, who was a guest oh, on him. this podcast and uh, you should go look up John Wright on the podcast. Uh, but he and I used to have a, when we were, he, we were at South shore together, he was a member and I was a staff person. And uh, we used to just have this common just phrase so that we could just look at each other and like, like, and it, all it was, was fucking Christians. <laughs> That I was think it. I feel I think I feel where that's coming from. Yeah. We would just we would just look each other in the eyes and share a brief moment of grief. This mm. this institution that's supposed to produce like gracious, loving, mature people has somehow over 2000 years produced the exact opposite. Yeah. Like yeah. most, mostly there are exceptions. Oh, no. uh, like I, I hope that I'm one, you know, like there are certainly exceptions. Yeah. I think Courtney's one. I think a lot of, you know, folks that we work with are, are exceptions to that, but, uh, by and large. And, and I tell you like, what, those, those quote unquote exceptions, I won't even name myself as the exception. I hope I live a life worthy of that. Fine. Of course you are. But Come on. The, Oh, thank you. I was Don't fishing do that. there. Of course you I are. I was fishing there and yeah. you totally bit. Thank you. Um, yeah. But those those people who live so authentically that that give give that genuine sense of humility and, and devotion to something larger than themselves without having to name it and say, hey, I'm the real deal. I'm in charge. I have the power and the authority. Even if it's true, those are the people I've seen make it into my which, uh, inner committee. That's what you said. Courtney, it's like, okay, that's where I come back mm -hmm. around to the loyalist title. It's like, you have lived it out without having to assert it. I'm down. I'm following you. Like to the end, to the end of the earth, I think. Like that, that did it for me. Yeah. I, am, I am the loyalist. Uh, My mom is a type six and she's very um, particular about who she lets in her circle. But if you're in her circle, you're in her circle for life. And the thing that my family always talks about is like when the chips are down, there's nobody better to have in your corner than my mom, because mm. no matter what, even if you're the one that's in the wrong, she's going to defend you and be there for you and help you. She'll tell you you're wrong. She'll tell you you screwed up, but she'll also do everything she can to fight for you and with you. And 
I was, I guess I would ask that to you. Do you feel like that's something you resonate with? Um, Yes, um, almost to a fault. And this is one of my growing edges. Um, I'm aware of it. You know, I can be a little too loyal and I will lose myself in my loyalty to others. Um, I'm almost looking for whoever I'm being loyal to, to meet some of my needs in those, in those arrangements, if you will. And that gets yeah, that into some work too. I identify with that. Okay. Yeah. For, as a two, sure. Okay. And, and I've got yeah, to watch I mean, that. social subtype six can take on some of those traits of a type two. It's not a counter type, but it often can look like a type two, um, which we'll get into. But hearing you say that, like, I identify very strongly with that. Um, Chris mm. and I were actually just talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> and I, That's right. We literally just had about an hour conversation about it. For me, cool. it's, and again, cool. I, I'm saying this as a statement, like talking about my own experience, but I kind of pose it to you as a question as well. Um, my loyalistness um comes out in that if i like i'm constantly afraid that i'm going to be too much or say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing um to then push those people that i care about away because that's like my vulnerable spot that's a lot of like my own trauma and what's happened mm-hmm. in my life and so my version of supporting and caring for and being with somebody will be not pushing them into uncomfortable places or minimizing parts of myself to mm. elevate parts of them or make them feel better about our relationship or friendship, but it's which is me and doing a disservice because it's minimizing who I am and concealing who I am and how I feel. Perfect. Not only Perfect. you. Oh, that's great. But so, like, so I, you'll understand this, Matt. Uh, our discipleship groups that we do are like our are basically our high bar intense. Um, small groups are modeled after CPE, clinical pastoral education, which is what every chaplain has to go through. You have to do an internship and then a, like basically a residency, like four, four total units of CPE. It's in depth, interpersonal, like serious work. Like it's hard, it's painful. It will lift up the things you hate. <laughs> Our intense discipleship groups are based off of, I mean, they're a light version of it, but they are based off of CPE and specifically the CPE that Jenny Sumner Carswell developed at Ham General Hospital. Shout out to Jenny. She's among my favorite human beings on the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we were talking about is... Not only what, like, so that, that dynamic of, um, I'm going to love you and take care of you by not pressing you into the places where you don't want to go. It's not just that you are spared. It's like, you're also hurting the other person. 100%. Like you're not giving them the full. Now, don't get me wrong. It's of course can go wrong like it's this is not permission to just be a jerk all the time and be like i'll tell you what your problem is you know what your problem is this like that nobody likes that don't do that that's not what we're talking about (laughs) but in the context of a of a really serious in-depth uh relationship that has boundaries and safety and commitment to each other not offering the hey i think you're avoiding this or, mm-hmm. hey, to me, this looks like, uh, hey, how can we go back to, you know, like, like all those yeah. types of things? 
you it's not just uh protecting yourself you're like and and sparing yourself from like you're also harming the other person and i i say you and i should say we like i mean like god that's a lesson that everyone is constantly learning all the time like when do you tell your spouse that this is a problem like when do you decide to do that when do you tell your best friend yeah yeah like when do you at what point do you do that and how like these are the heart and so that's that's one of the things that um well i guess i'm turning into a i'm plugging our own stuff now this is what (laughs) discipleship groups are about like like this is what the gospel is supposed to empower us and teach us to be able to do but the church is churches often fail to actually be able to do that. And like, that's what, that's why we've really tried to make, like, that's what's behind this podcast, having conversations like that. That's what's behind our discipleship groups. That's what's behind our live show. Like that's what's like everything we do. It's behind, like, how do we actually get these types of skills and like this interpersonal security where you really trust that you are a child of God who is safe inside of grace and able to speak the truth that you're called to. Like, how do we get people to that? It's, it's not easy. It's like, it's fucking hard. It's really hard. Oh, yeah. Look at, look at the way Jesus taught. I mean, people it's in the, in the, in the gospel accounts, people walked away. They heard his teaching. They heard his call to discipleship and what it entailed. And they made the choice and Jesus gave them a, a great, a graceful exit too. It's like, if you have other when things, people to do that to me, do. I feel like a failure. Yeah. Oh, like God, when we, that happens to me, yes. I feel like a failure. And like he was like, "Good, this uh, appropriate." Yeah, you make your choice. He, he but, didn't have mission and vital sign, you know, to to report. But that's it. Make your choice. This is yes. this is part of it. Make your choice. Yeah, he oh knew what God. it was about. He like he knew what he was about. And I'm so down for this model. I, I love that y'all are doing this. And um, well, I talk a big game, but. The minute, the minute I can't pay my mortgage is the minute I'm going to start to compromise. Like, <laughs> well, thank I'm, you for your honesty. I'm still, a, I'm still desperate and afraid. Like, don't get me wrong. Yes. <laughs> but but I, I mean, it, it lends to everything you just talked about it. You know, we, we pick this up in seminary and, and, and other places where you sound nerdy. Um, <laughs> And you, you can lord you know, these terms over people and feel like superior. Dude, I have to take a seminary class. For real? I, have, what? I have my MDiv and I, I missed one, like an evangelism credit or something that I, that I have to have. So oh I'm literally gosh. taking a class this semester. That's cool, actually. Like, there's one more I, you thing. You know what? Right? I literally, the other night, as soon as I got the syllabus, I literally told my wife, I was like, I know I'm not supposed to like this because it's like more work and I have to write, pipe, but like, I read the syllabus and I'm actually kind of excited. <laughs> yes, man, I'm envious over here. I'm so nerdy about it. <laughs> like, you're you're I a good go company talk right to now. Other theologians about like you know the nature of divinity and fully human, that's, fully divine, and like I'm, I'm so kind good. of I've been missing <laughs> that in quarantine. Yeah, it's very up your yes. alley. Yeah, it is. It is. But like one of the things that, that you know, we, we gleaned from seminary and some other kind of learned resources really is, is this word, this concept of metanoia, which, you know, loosely translated is transformation, but, per, but very acutely defined is to change one's mind. 
And that that's not surface level, change your opinion. It's like, no, change the way you understand and see the world and therefore take to the world. It is a, as far as I'm concerned, that's a change in, in how you conduct all your affairs and how you relate to other people. And that, is, that cuts deep. And by the way, Jesus said something about cutting deep. You know, he sort so, of pierce you too. It reminds me, I, I can't remember exactly where, uh, like if I was a better pastor, I'd have chapter and verse, but I think it was in Romans where uh, it, the, the, it's a quotable verse, but like, um, you know, anyone who is in Christ, uh, they are a new creation or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And um, I remember in youth group studying that and, and my youth director happened to be going to seminary at the time and him pointing out the actual better translation of that is anytime someone is in Christ or finds Christ or whatever, there is new creation. It's not like mm. he's made new. It's like, no, there's the, now there's the potential for everything to change. And like, I, I think it mm. speaks to that idea of this, this living metanoia kind of like, like everything is constantly. And, and like, even like the way I describe grace to, uh, to the people who I work with, like mostly people who are apathetic and antagonistic towards the church the the way that i describe grace is like it's this undergirding force that's inherent in reality and existence that works death into life and and chaos into order and like it, 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 it's this constant metanoia it's it, it's an undergirding factor of reality that we can't escape you know, and that's Wesleyan stuff too. Like yeah, that's that, so Wesleyan. Like, grace, say, check, real, check. yeah, the grace, yeah, you're right. Like the grace per, pervades every single thing, you, whether you know it or yeah. not. It is the undergirding force of existence that's working death into life, or and then fill in the blank, working abuse into forgiveness, working, you know, uh, like rape into like survival and strength and and confidence you know like like fill in the blank with the worst things that you can think of and <clears throat> grace is the force that's working those things into the best things you can think of mm. and, and not to say you know like i don't i don't want to i i don't want to be pejorative i i don't mean to like dismiss the trauma of abuse oh. and all kinds of evil and heinous things but I do, I do, from my own experience of, he, of heinous and evil things, I do have this faith in, in, in a grace that we can cooperate with mm-hmm. that can turn, that at least, I, I won't even say, that, I'll, I'll claim this, that for me has turned my worst things, like abuse, neglect, the, the worst kind of pain into... Uh, confidence, self-love, and then beyond that, like acceptance and love of others and ability to engage with others in ways that make them feel safe and confident. And loved. Oh man. And like, see, I have something to piggyback on that. I, will, man. I, will, I will save it for the plug time at the end, because you just spoke to the heart <laughs> of what I'm, I'm really, really ramping up for right now. Uh, that, that was beautifully put. And um, oh, I really you. Just, just circle it back. Because I, I had my interview this morning with my, uh, with my, uh, <laughs> I don't even know what you call it. My, my board of ordained ministry interview team, whatever they are. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, we, we got into it. We were like, we were like Did preaching. You? We were like, yeah, yeah. We, and we were talking the same, uh, so I'm riding high. 
I'm feeling we, good. We talked, we talked about finances, so I wasn't as amped up. Sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> your, your session was more exciting than mine. Mine was. But, <laughs> but really, to, to circle all the way back to the Enneagram and my sixness, you talk mm-hmm. about grace as this pervasive force, almost a gravitational, can I say, pull or attraction or, or whatever. Um, I found myself engaging with this Christian idea of grace, this Wesleyan, you know, lens of, of grace, um, particularly in this past year, where I made this personal shift um, from a very shattered place in my life. And, and I don't say that lightly, it, it hurt. Um, that was, it was my experience and it hurt like hell. Um, it, it wasn't the worst pain, but it was my pain. Can I, I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't want, I don't want you to disclose more than you are comfortable with. Can I, would you share you as many details as you are, as I you will. feel comfortable? I will. Um, because this, this, this all points forward to my plug time at the end, <laughs> because this is part of the deal. And, and I love, I love kind of share being an evangelist for this kind of thing at this time. Um, in the summer of 2018, um, I was an associate pastor of a, of a fairly large and pretty vibrant uh, Methodist church here in Florida. And there were things leading up to the summer of 2018. And on one fateful morning, I had a major, um, I will call it somewhere between mental, emotional, and nervous event. Point is I crashed uh, involuntarily. I shut down. Um, I, I could not think straight. My body was shaking involuntarily. It was, I was aware. I, I didn't lose my, my mind. I just couldn't control it. This was like a physical, out. literal it, physical it, symptoms. Oh my gosh. Physical symptoms of a, of a, a nervous, mental, emotional, you know, Dang. undergirding. It, it was scary. I'd never, so that brought in an immediate halt to my, my, uh, my tenure at that, that church. Um, and, 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 and I was gracefully pulled out of that, of, of that setting by my higher up who was looking out for me saying, okay, you're done. And not like shame on you, you're done, but no, you're done because I care about you. So I'm grateful to my, the person who was looking out for me at that time. But nevertheless, that necessitated a move from, um, from the panhandle down um, to central Florida, which is where I am now. Um, I, was, I was on a medical leave of absence for a while because I couldn't do anything. It was astounding. That was um, that was when we met. Yes, it was, man. We met at Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, yeah. Michelle Vanson Neil. Neil, yeah. Vanson Neil, yeah. She, she connected us. I'm so glad she did. She's another. Uh, she's another outlier. She's another like. Oh yeah. She's one of those crazy pastors who's like doing real stuff. We love it. Yes, she is. Yeah. Yes. Oh man, Michelle's great. The way I always put it about Michelle is, um, I'm glad she's on our side. I don't know right. what our side is. I'm just glad I'm not going against her because she will she's, not be. Uh, yeah, she's a force, man. <laughs> so um, yeah, we got linked up during that time, Chris. Thank you for recalling that. And I, remember, uh, that I literally mess. met her, and we were talking. I was just we were just talking about what we were both doing. She was talking about Crave. I was talking about Kindred, and then she's like, in the middle of it, out of nowhere, she's like, "You need to meet Matt Kern." <laughs> i'm like oh, oh okay we're great i'm down so cool and then yeah buffalo wild wings and then here we are and here we are now that's so neat but and, and at that time i was working three odd jobs um i was mm-hmm. i was working at four rivers barbecue um so my master of divinity was serving me well you know in my serving job but it, and then also, I was, I was, like we're looking for sponsors four rivers 
Pay me in barbecue. Hey, John Rivers, it's delicious. Man, he's, he's a faithful man from what I understand. Um, you can pay bug. me in barbecue. Oh, man, I don't need yeah. money. I need I brisket. Oh, I miss, <laughs> I miss the brisket for sure. Yeah. But I was doing that. I was guest preaching throughout the district, and um, I was working very part-time as part of a youth ministry team at a local church. So it was just hodgepodge stuff while I got things straight in my life. Um, and then eventually I got linked up with the CPE program um, with the company where I currently work, um, which which can I can I say the company here? I'm I, we only have like 25 people that listen. Okay. No, about. seriously, because I, 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 I remember listening to the last episode and Courtney, you were like, oh, yeah, Matt, Matt's kind of the arbiter who says, oh, yeah, you can't say this or that. <laughs> or we'll have to cut it out. Yeah. Yeah. Courtney's husband, Matt, not you, so, Matt. Yeah, exactly. Courtney's so husband, Matt, fun. listens yeah. to everything we say. And he's like, you can't say that person's name. That's yeah. going to hurt okay. their feelings. Well, I got no people to say, but I, I work for a hospice company, Vitas Hospice. Um, and um, I got linked up with the CPE coordinator. Chris was talking about CPE earlier, clinical pastoral education. I was looking to get into chaplaincy at that time. I felt well enough to get, re-engage in some sort of ministry. I was looking to, to kind of... I remember talking but, about it with you. Yeah, at, uh, it came to be. And that, yeah. was, that was pretty well before this all came to be. So it was cool. It was kind of in the works, and it, it happened. And um, I got on board. I, uh, I, think I encourage every human being who has the oh, opportunity man. to do it. Like CPE? get do a CPE stent. If you are a human being who has the opportunity, do CPE. Like do it. It it will you will be better. It will be hard. Oh, it's hard. It will be hard and it will be painful and you will be better. It's it's a it's a course in you. Like if yeah, if you ready to learn about that. yourself. Like all the warts and stuff, yes, CPE will will usher that in. Um, it's good stuff, really good stuff. So, um, about a year ago now, I can say this month, a year ago, I started with uh, with the hospice and started CPE, and I'm oh, and then by the way, a month later, COVID hits. <laughs> like what yeah, a time to transition a, into the yeah, clinical geez. setting, <laughs> just as a global pandemic is hitting. So it's like I don't know what normal is. So I still sit on the I'm on the peer advisory group for Tampa General's CPE program. Oh which we don't have any authority. We, we interview all of the, uh, the interns and residents who go through it. And then we advise based on their feedback, we give feedback to the, uh, the directors and the people who run the program basically. Yeah. Um, and Oh my God, this year, the conversations were different, man. I bet like being a chaplain during COVID. Oh my God. <laughs> it's been, which brings me back all the way back to like you were like oh why'd you get into chaplaincy mr six and and yeah yeah, in the midst of the pandemic and stuff my best answer is like i don't think i knew any better um and i was just happy to be re-engaged in ministry and i don't know what normal chaplaincy is in hospice in particular so i've just been rolling with it um (laughs) but i tell you there's something about that so like what courtney said early on about the sixes like there's two types one's so like counterphobic yeah yeah that like there's something about the like this is what i'm afraid of i'm going into it that i have a suspicion that is your tendency because they're like the idea of not only doing hospice not only doing chaplaincy but doing hospice chaplaincy Mm -hmm. like talk about a fucking downer you know, <laughs> you know what's funny? Just asking to break your heart every single day, you know. 
And sure, yet... well... <laughs> and here I am. And by the way, I was worried about this interview, not about you two. I was worried about me coming in and being just the most depressive interview. Like, let's talk about death and end of life. And dude, and you should <laughs> you should listen to our most recent uh, our uh, our live show, which is what we call our like worship gathering. Yeah, you should listen to our live show topics le- recently. Yeah, they're basically oh, well, all the things Christians say, right? Yeah, <laughs> yes, all centered around like you know how Christians tell you not to feel. Yeah, fucking feel. Instead, yeah. Oh, yeah. feel like uh, feel bad, which... feel sad, feel angry, yes. feel the feelings. I mean, like, don't be a dickhole about it. Like, don't be right. aggressive and don't be violent and don't cause harm. But like, mm-hmm. feel your feelings and bring them to God. Like, God, be, you can't be a harm human being. God, right? Yeah, and you I can't what, harm God. And I think this is beside the pandemic. But a lot of my work so far in my year of hospice has been. Uh, I'll use my, my word, my favorite word I, I brought it up earlier, giving permission to people to feel whatever they're feeling through their grief, yeah, um, through their end. They're, they're living out the end of their life and they're aware of it. And they say, well, you know, we all got to go and um, I'm going to a better place. And I'm like, OK, cool. Are you serious? Seriously, what are you, you feeling? Right yeah. Now? yeah. I, I don't even I don't even question. That. I'm like, OK, fine. I'll take that for what it is. Now tell me about you. Tell me about death. Who's died in your life? What was that like for you? Because now here you are. What are you feeling about? And I'm not trying to foster any feelings that aren't genuinely there, but I get these cheap right. store theology answers that I'm sure somebody lovingly passed along to them in their small well, also, girl church. And it's like, now we can't You really walk into the room like and you got chaplet on your badge. Oh, and then like, they played in that. That happens. Right. Like, and it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Uh, <laughs> That's not why I'm here. And, but, and because of that, and I, I know you're going to get this, some of my favorite people have been the people who just, they don't do religion. Those have been the most fruitful and real conversations and interactions. Courtney's not her head too. <laughs> Absolutely. That's it's like, our congregation. It's whole, yeah. yeah. That's most of that's, I would say that's probably 95% of our congregation, but I would yes. also say. There's like, like three people that I think I can honestly say would be involved in church. Right that are a part of our group. If we didn't uh, exist, there's like three people that would be in church. I yeah. dig it. I dig but, it so much. Everyone else is like, no fucking way. But <laughs> like, that's, that's been one of the most interesting. My wife is one of them. Yeah. My that's wife is like, there's no fucking way. <laughs> like, absolutely not. <laughs> that's one of the most interesting things about it for me. Like, because I was very heavy involved in like, church and typical church stuff and like i did campus ministry for x amount of years and i then was a youth pastor and like i've been to all kinds of different churches even in high school like i was constantly trying different denominations different churches different youth groups like that i was very churchy um i'm very not now and a lot of because i work which i can. Yeah, that's all I, I, I count as a badge of honor. Thank you. There's, there's definitely a very distinct before and after. Um, the before Courtney that was have like very churchy was very like, don't feel your feelings. Everything happens for a reason. God's got this. Like, fake it till you yeah. make it. And like now I'm just not, I'm not at I would- all willing to do that. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I think awesome. there was 
That's great. I think there was more in you than you're, I appreciate what you're saying. <laughs> I think there was more in you than you're giving yourself credit for. Uh, there's a reason that you were attracted to, there's a reason you joined up with John Legg. That's true. First of all, because oh, John Legg is our right. mutual oh. mentor. So, and then there's a reason that you became my right hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you like, it, yeah, it, it, a lot okay. of this was in you. you. Like there be, I think, I think. Okay. I think I can, right. I'll be a little more generous for you than you can be without being, you know, like arrogant. You I know? appreciate that. I think yeah. what I mean is, cause I hadn't really gotten to the Aloma part of that story yet, but uh. I, before John Legg, before Loma, before directly working with Chris, I was very much that way. And I was constantly pushed out by um, other people, just whether it be leaderships or friend groups or even like, you know, pastor experiences. I've always kind of just butted heads, um, again, pre-Aloma, and was always told you're too much you're too this you're mm. you're very loud you're very annoying you feel too much you you type have, two though you have too much to say yeah mm. and so type two keeps you like locked in to that yeah and so like, i would leave you can't just be like how about it. well how about fuck you yeah <laughs> like you can't do that as a type two like, and that's it doesn't kind of what natural. i by the like everything happens for a reason let's be happy let's not talk about our feelings like yeah. I, when i was being pushed away because i was you know questioning those things i leaned harder into them and then with kindred and i mean john leg definitely did set a preface for this as well but particularly with kindred i kind of got to a point where i was like fuck this this is stupid i'm gonna be myself i'm gonna let myself feel and that doesn't mean it's easy like i still cry about it sometimes like today i cried about it with chris a little earlier <laughs> like i still struggle with it i struggle jesus wept man with the fact that people might not like me or i would be too much and then people mm. would push me away or whatever fill in the blank but like my point in saying all of that to kind of circle back was once i started really buying into kindred and what we're doing here a lot of people from that before part of my life wanted to pull the you've changed you're different Mm. you're not a good enough christian like we were friends but you're like not i don't know something's off and you're not trying as hard and you're not giving up as much and things are weird and i had to have a lot of very serious very hard conversations with people about how I was over minimizing myself and I wasn't going to continue to do that and how that wasn't on them, but it also wasn't fully on me. And there were things that they did that were hurtful. And even if they didn't mean it, like we still had to address those things. And there are a lot of people that I'm not friends with anymore. And then there are some people that I have better relationships with from that period of time. But it's like, I don't know, like you, they're feeling your feelings and being who you are and allowing yourself to live into that and live into the too much is so important because you're not too much you're yourself and it matters that's what and i'm I hearing think that christian churches like have this tendency like chris is saying to tell people not to feel and to tell people oh it's all okay like it's all gonna be good and like make TikToks and like keep everything super surface level <laughs> because that's easier than getting into the real shit. But the reason that our congregation is 95% people who don't go to church is because we want to dig into and deal with the real shit. 
And that's what most humans want, which is why I'm with you, Matt. And like, honestly, sometimes it's way better to just be around people who aren't freaking Christians. Yeah. God, thank you for Preach. sharing all that, by the way. That is, yeah, I know, right? I'm just sitting here <laughs> right, just amening. Amen. That was great. And um, I, I hate that you had to suffer for digging, like you said, digging deeper into who you always were. You already were. You were just living into right. it now. That's, oof. I'm going to, I'm, I want to channel my, um, so the counselor that helped me out, she was, uh, she she literally walked me through the most difficult spiritual, theological, emotional identity transformation of my life. And she she was a hardcore, conservative, literal, Pentecostal old church lady, which mm-hmm. doesn't add up for me at all. Like the idea that she was my that she was she was Christ for me. You know, like that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> like that's not the one you that's not the one. Uh, like I'm a liberal. <laughs> I'm a Wesleyan. Yeah. I'm not a literalist and I'm not Pentecostal for sure. Like tongues like uh, makes me laugh. And yet she was the one that saved my life. Wow. And she would often quote scripture at me in the middle of therapy. So I'm going to channel her because I like. Everything you just said, Courtney, made me really, really, this is, this is a, a text for me that means a lot, and I hope you can identify with it. It's Matthew 23, 37. It goes like this, and this is Jesus talking to Jerusalem, like just kind of talking out loud, not like addressing a crowd. He's just like lamenting as he kind of looks at the city, like nobody's listening to him. Mm-hmm. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Sometimes it's not you. Sometimes it's them. Awesome. Wow. Sometimes you do everything right and they still refuse. Yeah. Uh, Beautifully put. I know we're just, we're in this river moment of silence. It's just washing over all of us, isn't it? (laughs) Good podcasting. Silence. Oh, I love it though. I know. I break the rules of podcasting, but oh, that's just so healing. <laughs> hey, man. Oh, like God, and you and you know, I, I don't mean to be a guru about it either, because like God. If I God, if I could internalize that, that's the that's the one of the things I constantly say about like what why am I a Christian? It's like cause Jesus knew what he was about. And I, I yeah. really, really long to be a person who at, at my core, I, ju- I know what I'm about. I want to be that person. That, that is the lifelong goal for me. I, I will claim that. I don't know if I'll ever get there, but the pursuit of it might be enough for me. Oh, um, God, it's impossible. There's yes. Just, there's just so much stuff coming at us all the time. 
there's so much like, and I don't mean this in the Christian way. The, the word temptation is such a like Christian-y kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about temptation like, oh, sins of the flesh, and I might see a nipple. <laughs> oh God, like that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. When I talk about temptation, what I'm talking about is like this, this pull to try and impress. This pull to try and be for to try and be something I'm not to get the affirmation to get the I, I just want that feeling I just want that feeling where people like like that that is a real temptation all the time for me oh, and it makes me uh, it makes me lie it makes me like uh, compromise on things that I shouldn't not to mm-hmm. say that because I don't I I actually particularly given the nature of our political situation, I have recently tried to reclaim the word compromise as not a bad word. <laughs> but in this, in this speci- very specific context, what I mean by compromise in a bad way, you know, like, like it, it makes me lie. It makes me compromise things that I shouldn't. It makes me, um, it, it, it makes me jealous and like needy. Like, like it's hard. Like these are my things in particular. Like it makes me, it makes me go into places that I just, and then, you know, you, it's the kind of thing where it's almost like a, it's like, it's almost like going on a bender. Like I wake up the next morning and I'm like, who was that? Mm. It's like, that was you, my friend. And, and quite honestly, that was you at your worst. (laughs) Yes. And I can go back to my story before, you know, where, where I had a sudden halt to, to ministry. Why did I have that halt? Because I, I followed the temptations to be who I was not in ways that I could not. Oh, I mean, it, that was it. That was at the core. I gave and gave and gave where there was nothing to begin with. I if I tell out. the truth, then that person's going to stop coming and giving their money. And we're fucked. <laughs> like, what do we do then? <laughs> like, oh, God. Like, I better lie. I better lie. <laughs> Like, or, oh, or to God. put it more acutely, I better be who they expect me to be. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's uh, that's a nasty feeling. Yeah, uh, that, uh, that that hits a little a little too hard there. Because <laughs> I've lived it. I don't like that. <laughs> you got the heebie jeebies. Actually, that's kind of an interesting tie-in to inner childhood. Um, so I'd like to tap into that. Um, yeah, that time. Let's go. And we can circle back. Um, Let's get childish. So, yeah, I'm going to read this. This comes from Michael Shahan Therapy. Um, Again, I pose all of this as a question. He's our go-to. I'd say it's a statement. I mean, it is a question. Yeah, Michael Shahan and Nine Types Co. I've, run, I've, I've read a lot of Enneagram stuff and balked at it and scoffed at it. And uh, the like. Michael Shahan Therapy seems to be a pretty reliable. So well, shout excited. out. Because I'm, I'm sitting here so, with my Ian, Cron, Ian Morgan Cron book, The Road yes, Back to You. <laughs> I love that book. That's a good but one. But I have not heard of Shay. Okay, so you vouched for this one. I'm glad to hear that. Yep. And it's I a, is it a, it's a, uh, an, uh, like an Instagram account? Can you like subscribe to it? No, it's a, it's a book. Michael yeah, Shahan he, Therapy? Oh, Michael Shahan, yeah. He's an Instagram account. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. that's I'll what I meant. You, you can literally subscribe, and it's like constantly updating. I also you know highly it? recommend Nine Types Co. I really like her Nine content too. Co. Okay, I'm mm-hmm. doing it as we speak while listening to your question. I'm gonna Go read this. Um, I say it as a statement. I mean it as a question. So listen for things you identify with. Balk at. Um, basically, the concept is that the reason you are a Type Six is because as a child 
you were actually, um, you had type nine, um, the peacemaker traits that were never met. So I'm going to read this. Here we go. Within ever. Within every six is a lazy little one, very nine-ish, who just wants to stay under the covers, doesn't want to go out and face the world, wants only to be comfortable and entertained. Because of this, he fears that if he stops pushing himself with his false will, all will be lost and he will sing into a swamp of laziness. When a six courageously allows himself to stop striving and let himself be, he may initially experience an immobility or a lack of desire to do anything at all. Eventually, the whole mindset of being frightened of others will disappear as he recognizes that his true nature is the same as all that exists and that all sense of self and other is illusory. He can indeed find the rock that he can truly stand on. What stands out, positive or negative? Yeah, the um, the fear of laziness is, um, or being you know attributed as such, and and therefore the need to. Um, this wasn't in the description, but I'll, I'll superimpose it to prove, to prove otherwise, um, because that's for me that meets a need. It, it's I'm safe because in in other people's eyes, I've proven I am not what they. I deem me as, so I'm good. It's not healthy, but I'm safe in, in a weird way. Um, you know, the, the household I grew up in, um, I mean, just like any household, there, there was a relative expectation of, of um, trying, of, of putting your, your best foot forward. I mean, in the most genuine sense, not, you know, make us look good and put your best foot forward. It's like, no, do what you know you can because it's there, you have, you have what you need to do the best you can. So there was nothing unreasonable. Um, but I think this could happen to any child. I know I'm speaking really broadly there, but um, any child could, could feel um, the inherent pressure that comes with, okay, there is a standard. If it's up here, if it's here, if it's down here, there is a standard. And you don't want to disappoint, more or less. Um, and I think that was present for, for my household, which was very safe, very intact family. I stopped saying normal because I learned my family is not normal because we were, we were so together. Uh, we fought and stuff, but it's like we, we had a very intact family and I, I'm learning that's not the norm. Um, but nevertheless, I, I think, again, I'm using my terminology um, on, on the description you just used, but the, the need to prove hmm. something um, was always there. Um, I don't know if I could sit here tonight and really dig into, you know, what brought that about beyond that that relative level of expectation of of doing well not being perfect but doing well um i don't know if, if somebody said something to me at some point or made a comparison to somebody who might have been doing better and kind of suggested well maybe you should uh, and nothing's really coming to mind but i what i can say is yeah i do feel that need to prove and to not be seen as simply being just being um, that was in the description, because to just be, I, I kind of feel viscerally, might be to be lazy, or that's that's uh, a precedence into a, a life of laziness. Um, this is something I'm recovering. 
I hope, um, in the latter years of my life. Um, one of my favorite guys still is Father Richard Rohr. You know, there's some stuff I push back on, but more or less, it's like, yeah, I, I dig him, definitely. And he's big on the Enneagram, too. We're, we're fans. Yeah, yeah, I bet. I, I, like bet. Him. I figured I could throw that name out, but um, yeah. even apart from the Enneagram, um, in one of his books that I love, um, Falling Upward, he talks about the two halves of life spiritually. The first half is when you accumulate uh, the second half is when you more or less dis disassemble for for reconstruction. You know, he fo- yeah he follows a lot of the Brueggemann stuff. Like Brueggemann talks oh, I didn't about know it was Brueggemann based. Okay. Well, I, I don't I don't know that he literally is like studying Brueggemann, but okay. like Brueggemann has a similar thing where he talks about orientation, disorientation, disorientation yeah. reorientation. It's kind of the same pattern. It's like. You need when you're growing up, you need a structure to like repel from like you need you need something strong to like either accept or rebel. But whatever it is, you you have to have something to respond to so that you can form your own reality. Absolutely. And and for me, in in light of the quote you just read, um, I needed. Maybe in my early life, I, I learned, let's say, that I need to prove myself worthy or n- not lazy or, or meeting somebody's expectation. The latter part of my life, if I'm in that yet, and we won't go by age, I'll just kind of go by season of life, I hope, is I'm learning to Your most recent. That. Yes, my life. most recent part of life. <laughs> I like that. Um, I'm, I'm learning to unlearn that as best I can. That's kind of what, um, and forgive me, the, the name of the, the person you just read. Brueggemann. Uh, I don't know, not Brueggemann. Uh, Courtney, who Michael did you? Michael Strahan. Oh, Shahan. Shahan. I, th- I just thought you said Michael Strahan. I'm like, oh, shoot, Michael Strahan's on the Instagram. <laughs> He's super into it. Turns out. Michael Strahan. Um, multifaceted. <laughs> I guess so. Got it. But um, to, I'm, I'm learning slowly how to be hmm. and to not essentially just freak out about that. Like, oh, you're not doing anything. Shame on you. That's, that's kind of like a, a, a knee-jerk reflex still to this point. When I sit and I be, you know, the, the rule of thumb is like, the, the worse the grammar, the better the theology even. So like, just <laughs> how can that. I... Oh, yeah, I heard that along the way. I'm like, it makes sense. The more you talk about God, you just start to lose. That's a seminary joke. I mean, oh, yeah, I know. Like, so nobody, in, nobody who hasn't been to seminary won't understand. Nobody's going to yes. get that. <laughs> I know, but it's, I, I, and I can say I found it true. So how can I be, how can I learn to be? And the more that I be, the more I'm experiencing uh, peace um, internally, the more I'm experiencing oneness. I mean, we can, we can use those kind of terms and I'm not it, seeing visions that the heavens aren't parting, but man, there is a resonance that is happening. It I'm reminds like, oh, me of, this is real. So one one of my big kind of uh, epiphany eureka moments for me. Um, so when I when I was this is after my divorce and I was like dealing with a lot of my stuff and having to come to grips with like what you know what led me to this. I'm a good boy. How did I end up here? Like mm. I'm a, I work for the church. I'm a youth director. I'm a, like I'm a candidate for ministry. How did I end up? divorced like that's that doesn't follow the rules and so long story short as i was making my finances work after the divorce 
um, the last kind of like thing, the last holdout for me was cable TV. And I realized as I was like, okay, to make the budget work, I have to give up cable TV and just go to internet, like internet only, not cable TV. And this is like, now it's a lot easier. Yeah. Back then it was, that was like a profoundly new idea. Like Netflix and Hulu was it. And like, it's like, well, if I got Netflix and Hulu, I could make it work. And I realized that the real, like, it was surprisingly harder to do than I thought it would be. Mm. Um, and and the, the emotion underneath all of that, as I kind of, like, unpacked it, was because when I came home to an empty house, I could put on TV and not feel alone. Mm. Yeah. I didn't yeah. have to, like, make a decision about what am I going to watch? What am I, like, I, like... I was just used to just turning on the TV and whatever, like rerun, whatever, put it on a cable channel and just work and it'll just go. And then I, and then I'm fine. I'm not alone. And when I cut the cord finally, and like only had Hulu and Netflix, I realized that one, and this is one of the practices I did to try and kind of engage exactly what you were talking about for you. Like I, 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 I simply decided that I was just going to leave the TV off for as long as I could bear when I got home. <laughs> I would come home from work and I would, you know, I would either I, like I'm, I cook a lot now, but back then, not so much. Like I would either like, like I would come home and I would either have food that I ordered or I would make something or I'd reheat something or whatever. And I would just leave the TV off as long as I could and just be with myself and like just be you know yeah and it was very painful and very hard <laughs> like, i'm glad, I'm glad was, to hear you say that you know i was shocked at how that's hard a, it was <laughs> yes it was it completely surprised me how painful it was to do that oh, God. and then I, I was kind to myself as like as soon as i got to the point where i was like i can't bear it anymore i would all right, let me put something on. I'll put on reruns of whatever. Yeah. Like, let me just have some noise in the house. But like that, that practice is what led me deeper into the ultimate kind of like transformative confronting God experience that I needed. Mm-hmm. Like that was, that was one of the first huge major steps into it was like, oh shit, I can't just be. And to this day, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is I let the dog out and I spend at least the first five minutes in silence, if not more. And when it's warmer outside, like I go sit on the porch and I watch him run around and I just be in silence. Like to this day, it's a daily thing that I, like, pra- I practice silence and being by myself um, because cause it, it, like, it's harder than people. Oh, would like to believe it is. Which I'm so glad you, you named that because I feel like I left it in kind of a flowery place. Like I, I, have, I have obtained, you know, moksha. I have reached oneness <laughs> with you. It's like, oh my God, no. And the path there is really hard and really painful. Um, it's yeah, worth it. Yeah, it sucks. It's like, go, go and yeah, try two Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you will be squirming. Yeah. And, and you're going to be I tapping your, be kind. your phone. <laughs> yeah, I always say be kind to yourself. You, you should yeah. definitely do it. And you should be kind to yourself. 
That's like, right. Do it for two minutes, and then as, as when you can't stand it anymore, turn on a podcast or whatever. You know, like yeah. Um, but like, but you should definitely try it, and you should definitely be aware of if it makes you uncomfortable, why it makes you uncomfortable, how it makes you feel, where that feeling comes. Like that's that at least for me, and I think for a lot of people, that's. Very important first steps to very important, like self reconciliation kind of work. Yes. And I've um, maybe, maybe organically, um, I know you're not supposed to say, you know, oh, I'm, I'm a contemplative. Because once you claim you're a contemplative, it's kind of a sign you're not really. Because contemplative you're is a contemplative. Go, go have Thanksgiving with your family and get back to me. <laughs> right, right. That's, it's like you don't name that. You just go and do it, and somebody else can give you the accolade later. Right. But go and do. Yeah, um, I'm with you. But um, I, I, I started gravitating toward this beingness con- contained in the mystics, you know, of, of the church history, and you know, well, Richard, Rohr. Richard Rohr shit, man. I, I, Eastern, I know. And, he's highly influenced by that Eastern Orthodox kind of oh, like yeah, the Eastern mindset. Oh, it's, it's awesome. And and one of the courses, um, ultimately Jim Finley, um, facilitated it through the center of fraction and contemplation was on Teresa of Avila, uh, Spanish mystic. I was going to say, yeah, I didn't get that last one. (laughs) Yeah. Teresa Teresa of Avila. Avila is a a town, a city in, in Spain. Um, and, um, she was, um, she was a nobody like most mystics start out being, but she had this union with God and had this experience. And she wrote one of the, the more well-known uh, mystical works called the, um, the interior castle. And that was, that was the metaphor for the inward journey that, that we're kind of talking about right now into the center of oneself and understanding of oneself. And the more you come to understand yourself and get in touch with yourself, the more you understand and get in touch with God. It's kind of a both and. You're not retreating into yourself. You're retreating toward God within yourself. Well, I, I used to always say, like, like, the church teaches us to squash our heart. And in my experience, the Holy Spirit almost exclusively speaks to the heart. Oh, yeah. It's like, like so, like, we have, to, we have to learn to be ourselves in order to hear the voice of God. That, that's like, it. that's... That's like, it's a direct correlation. But we, we have done such a good job of separating. This is kind of a Neoplatonian thing where it's like you separate not so much flesh and spirit, but self and divine or, 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 or the, the finite. Well, and yeah, the it's the dualism. It's, yes, it's, the, it's, dualism. Uh, it's the Western dualism stuff. So surely anything of me, including my heart, myself, it needs to be nailed to the cross and I need to attain higher things beyond myself. Well, and it's, it's the misinterpretation of, um, of like all of Paul's stuff about flesh versus yes. spirit. And I do think it's a misinterpretation because if you Just really look at Paul, like Paul was a yes. mystic, man. That dude was using metaphor. He was yes. fucking like, he was tripping balls, dude. Like <laughs> that guy was having hallucinations. It, like, and those were the basis of his encounter with faith. Like that guy was way off into the Eastern kind of metaphorical stuff yes. and more power to him. I think he was right. I like, I, I actually really love, the writings of Paul. I think he's one of the. Uh, well, I'm, hey, hot take. 
he's a really great theologian. Like, <laughs> it, like you, he wrote like the the bulk of the New Testament. Right. Um, but um, but like I think he gets a bum rap. I th- I think a lot of people attribute him in very like inappropriately literal ways. And, that, and, and, that, and he used that he used the, the metaphor of like flesh and spirit, like flesh right. is bad, spirit good. That's not what he meant. Like like go back and read it. That's not what he was getting at. Like read the holistic thing. He's getting at something much deeper than that. And like and he's, and and he's clearly using this as a metaphor. Oh, yeah. Because this this is an Enneagram podcast and not a hyper, you know, let's dive into seminary stuff. But really it's like how yeah, many but I'm different a pastor, and that's what I'm I know. do. I know, but and I'm but I'm just thinking like how many different. I was taking a cute picture of my dog. I see that. I know, (laughs) but how many different lenses are we looking through these scriptures through? You know, oh, that is cute. Oh, that's sweet. That's Bailey. Yeah, she's a little idiot, right, Bailey? Or a little (laughs) idiot? (laughs) She wags her tail. I'm sure. Yeah. (laughs) No, but she did give me side eye. Ah, you got the side. She knows. She knows you're calling her an idiot. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah, I I'm with you in the like. I I would like to see American theology in particular come back to to making peace with spiritualism, metaphor, non-literal, transrational. Like, let's stop trying to make this like. The whole idea of purgatory is such a nightmare to me. This idea that like, oh, well, we made all these rules. Well, how do we make these rules work for babies? Mm. Oh, well, we invent purgatory. Like, well, come on, dude. Get it. Well, like, oh, what are we what doing? What I would love to add to, add, add to that list of, of your wish list for American theology is, can we, can we bring back the incar- in, incarnational dimension? Because Jesus did show up as a bag of flesh, just like us. We we have completely Dude, separated the flesh. It may be will. the central part of my whole like calling theology. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like I like I and I was talking with my interview team today. Like, um, because they they were because obviously we're doing a lot of work with um, like people who are antagonistic to faith, people mm-hmm. who would would otherwise have no relationship with church at all. And so they, they literally, it was like, so what, I mean, like, what's your takeaway? What, what would you say? And my Mm -hmm. biggest thing was, if you're going to be an evangelist, the first thing you have to do is you have to know what you're selling. Mm -hmm. And, and if, if what I'm selling is, if you do what I say, one day you'll die and go to heaven. Like, that's not even remotely compelling. That's not, that's not why I am a follower of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not why I signed up for this. Like that's the least compelling argument that anyone can make to me. I don't believe you, first of all. Right. And then second of all, who cares? Like I'm, I'm young. Who cares? You know, like it's not <laughs> even remotely. Uh, that's not even like that doesn't even make the top ten of my concern. Yeah. You know. But oh. it. So when I really get down to it, like, what is it that I find compelling about the gospel? Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I need the story of death and resurrection. Mm. I need a God who does not, who in, in light of the reality, the heinous reality of creation does not spare himself from it, mm-hmm. but instead mm-hmm. enters into it. 
so that when I'm on my cross, I know that there's a God on his cross and mm. that, that, that not just in spite of the death, it's not in spite of the cross. It, like this is such uh, I don't like the way it, this, <laughs> this is a phrase that I don't, I'm not proud of, but it fucking works. And I just got to lean into it. It's not in spite of the cross. It's in light of the cross that resurrection oh, happens. I yeah. don't like it because it rhymes and it makes it feel cheap. <laughs> but I really, I, I really mean it. I really mean it. It's not in spite of the pain and the gruesomeness. It is because of and through. Mm. And like, and and then to make it to ground it in reality, like, so my history of abuse, like my neglect as a child, and my desperation that I that coping mechanism that I learned, like all of these dark, devastating, traumatic kind of things, like through grace, again, the undergirding nature of reality that moves things from death into life, through grace, all of those death things are have been transformed in me into first and foremost self-acceptance. And then, therefore, other people acceptance. And then, therefore, self-love. And then, therefore, other people love. And that, like, and then it, like, it's it has this exponential kind of, like, it, it it's this like explosive kind of grace that now, when somebody's a dick to me, I can be gracious to them because I don't have anything to prove because mm -hmm. I've. Cause I, cause I like who I am. I like, I've accepted the way I'm made and I, mm -hmm. and I genuinely enjoy what's been given to me in my existence. And I trust that the undergirding reality is moving us towards life. And so even in this like shitty circumstance, it certainly is shitty. And, and like, don't, I don't mean to take away grief cause grief like is an important part of worship. Like absolutely grieve and lament, but in my grief and lament, like I'm not nearly as desperate and afraid and desperate and fucking oh god. It's more like no, there. I trust that there's an undergirding reality that's moving even this death into transformation and life and goodness. Like, like all of that stuff. Like that's why I need an I need a real human god. Like hmm. I need a guy who fucking felt the pain of it, who died. I need him. I like, I need a God who didn't exempt himself from the plight that we are imposed. Like the, the plight that's imposed upon us, you know, like I need a God who's like, I'm with you. I, I get it. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm here to die with you and I'm here to live with you. I'm here to resurrect with, with you. you. That's it. I, yeah, I'm like, here take to leave with us, I'm, I'm with laugh you. with us, to, to fear with us. All things Jesus did. It's, it's, not, it's not just, right. you know saying this, it's not just the bookends of life and death. It's the life in between all of it. I lived it yeah, too, man. says Jesus. Oh, that's so powerful. My, my, my biggest, uh, when I first went before the board, the thing they knocked me back on that I had to, I had to reapply for ordination was mm. about atonement. And it was about this and mm. like, God bless him. Fucking McGray de Vega, <laughs> you <laughs> asshole, <laughs> you fucking 
knocked me back and you made me go and then like and then all of a sudden i'm like oh there's a lot more to atonement and it's exactly what you said it's all the in between it's the yeah. it's the life lived it's the life lived with mm-hmm. like the, and like we we outsource jesus a lot like he did the dying for us so now we don't have no 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 that's not yeah. it we have to do the living and the dying that's that's fucking human. That's the way it is. Yeah. Thank God that we have a God who is came with us to do the living and dying and resurrecting with us. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, then, and let's not end, skip over the li- the the life and the love right. and the laughter and the crying and the like. Oh, uh, you don't get it. And the oh, you got it. And the, like all of it, <laughs> all of it's part of like that's a part of the atonement. Uh, it is. And do you know some of my favorite stories in the gospel accounts is is when Jesus heals somebody. And what does Jesus do with that person? What are the directions? Go back to the community. Go back to life. You are made well. Yeah. And then they went yeah. on praising God for what Jesus did. But he returned them back to life. It wasn't like, okay, I'm going to transport you like Scotty beaming you up, like, go, up to the, yeah. the third heaven. It's like, no, now go and live. And, yeah. and, and a natural outpouring in the way you, you outlined there beautifully. Your faith like, has made you whole. Yes, now go and be whole. There go. Oh, man, that's, that's the gospel news. That's, that's the good stuff, the good news. Well, and again, it's, it's not some abstract, weird, you know, like, uh, you know, like I've, I've never laid hands on somebody and had them walk. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. But I've, oh, no. I've definitely, I've definitely had in-depth conversations with people about like, uh, this feels arrogant, and I feel gross saying it now. <laughs> I, I've, I've definitely had conversations with people where I've been willing to ask things that nobody else has been willing to ask, sure. and sure. the, and the simple idea that I see them. And I'm willing to listen to them gives them life. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that is, I, I shit you not. It is a direct correlation to the fact that I was not seen and I was mm-hmm. abused. Like, like I cannot stress it enough. That gift comes from abuse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, and like, I, I, you know, I, I, again, I don't, I don't want to be dismissive of people who suffer. No, if you're in the midst of abuse, that's I'm not, not that's that not a helpful it. word to people who are suffering in the midst of real, like, and that's not what I mean it as. Um, so those people, I would say, fucking get help, get out. Yeah, hit me up. How can I help? Like, get out. Like, do it. Like, find oh, a way yeah. out. Um, but for people who are, who are out and are still dealing with the, like the past of it, yeah, that, that is the, that's what I think the gospel's for, you know? And I've got my version of that story myself. So yeah, the, the, you, I think everybody not, does. Sure. And, and to get, and then this is where it's, it sounds like kindred is, is just giving people genuine space to share that story, to live in and live out that story and live well, you also, in a transformed here's, way. 
here's the other this is a, 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 a oft overlooked <laughs> thing it it's thank you i also thank you i believe you. it though. i believe it, it. it is very lovely and i i appreciate you saying that. i believe it um but but here's just from a mechanical standpoint here's the oft overlooked one of the things that we've worked hard on is providing an audience for people like an audience to receive that from people and and that seems to be a thing that people need it's it's not just like it's really hard alone for an individual to come to the the understanding that oh shit i think i was mistreated there mm-hmm. like that's a hard thing for someone to come to in isolation but suddenly when there's an audience who's going hey tell me more about that and so like a lot of what we're doing is teaching people the skills to be able to say, tell me more about that. Like we're like, that's the main thing that we do is we teach the skills of what was that? Say more about that. How did you feel there? And, and like to, to be okay in that conversation, first of all, is a skill in and of itself. And then to have the tool belt stuff of tell me more about that. I want to listen to that. I, it does, you're not burdening me by telling me your sad story. I'm not burdened by that. That's okay. I want to hear your sad story. No, no, what it sounds I'm like actually, to me. believe it or not, I feel more connected with you in right. hearing your sad story. No, like, do, you, do you know what it sounds like to me? Y'all are actually, you're making disciples. That's what it sounds like to me. You're, you are equipping and people who are ready lips to, to God's ears. <laughs> people who are ready and equipped to go forth into the world. Not as evangelists yeah, will beat people over the head with scripture, but people who will engage others in their lives the way that Christ engaged us in ours. Well, it's disciples. Book of Acts stuff, man. Yes. It's Book of Acts. It's like, beautiful. These people got together in each other's houses. They ate, they drank, they proclaimed some kind of a hopeful word, and then they like they they like got in each other's business. <laughs> like that, and, that, and that was worship. For like 300 years, that was what worship was. It was like, mm. hey, we all going over to Courtney's apartment. That was worship for like 300 years. <laughs> like so-and-so, so-and-so got a letter from Paul. We're going to go over to Courtney's and, and like take a look at really? it. <laughs> like that was it. And like, oh, and they also have like bread and wine. It's going to be great. You should come. You like, guys that was bringing it 300 years. You're going the I oldest so. school possible. God, I hope so, man. <laughs> All right. That sounds like a good a good place to wrap up. We're hitting that 90 minute mark. Yeah, we're right at 90 yeah. minutes right this is, now. God, this is fun. That 90 minutes flew. This is fun. <laughs> Dude, as soon as uh, as soon as we're allowed to meet in person, yeah. you have an open invitation. Yeah, you gotta come hang out with us, Matt Kern. Thank you. Do you know we do, we do have a we have a small group. Day. We have a small group on Monday night, although, uh, you know, like working in the hospital and with hospice and stuff. You can I, zoom like, in, though. We have people yeah, oh, zoom yeah. in. We zoom in all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my wife uh, tested positive for COVID. So did, I tested no. negative technically on the same day. But huh. I mean, come on. Let's be reasonable. Right. I will certainly have COVID. Although uh, I, I haven't I had any symptoms. instances. Households do not share it. It's astounding. I don't know how that works. I have been keeping her at the end of a broomstick. Nothing against her, but good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, we, we zoom in. And so like we've 
found lots of ways to do virtual stuff. So anytime you yeah. would like to participate, you just let us know. Appreciate it. And hopefully as, as one of the, um, I'm not a frontline worker per se, but I, they, they classify me as a compassionate caregiver or an essential caregiver. Hopefully um, I'll be in a vaccine soon enough, soon enough um, just to be super safe. I so. know. I got, there was an email from the district that said I could have, I could have gotten a vaccine. Oh, no kidding. I didn't because I, I, I mean, let's face it. I'm not going to hospitals and like it you yeah, know, yeah so i opted out i didn't do it because oh. i would have felt bad but yeah one Gosh, day one day we'll be able to meet to each other Sounds we'll be good, able man. to meet to each other in person Sounds, we'll look we'll, each other we'll in the together. face yes we'll give each other um a holy kiss on the cheek lord without That's fear how COVID gets spread. <laughs> no without fear we'll be we'll be immune without fear <laughs> Um, we always end by cheersing. Yes. Oh, and and if yeah, if you don't mind, because I alluded to it, and I, I don't want to leave it hanging. I I would love to share. Some... Oh, plug! Oh, yeah. You have things to plug, 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 plug. Yes, because this is something I'm excited about. This does not benefit me any, I, not yet, anyways. Um, but um, something I'm it is it is just coming to be, and I'm trying to launch this thing. Um, it is essentially an opportunity to gather together as a small community. Um, around the issues of spirituality and mental health. Um, mental health is my story. Um, I have anxiety and depression. And as you've been talking people, about this for a long time, you know well, this, and, at least for me. Yes, I'm really happening. glad to hear it happening. It's finally happening. I'm working I think it with needs the needs to Conference. happen. Um, through the Clergy Care Initiative, um, I'm, I'm working with the team there. Hopefully, we'll be offering it to clergy right away as part of that initiative. But I've already made my intentions known. I want to go out. Not just yeah. in the church. Oh, I'm, I want to go out with this. So, um, the project, which does not have a Facebook, an Instagram, a Twitter, it has nothing. That's how young it is. It has an email address. That's it, because um, we're still forming this. But the the uh, the initiative is called Holy W H O L L Y because it is about. <laughs> whole, whole, you like that? I remember you, you told me this. I remember this yeah. conversation. You do. And I do well, like it. It's happening. So it's it's about the whole human being. We're not here to cure uh, mental health issues because you don't cure mental health issues. You care for them, just like you care for the whole person, and you integrate it all into a full life. The ways we've been talking about in theological terms this this whole hour and a half. So um, hopefully that will be available to a larger audience pretty soon. Um, I, I invite anybody if you have questions if you have ideas if you have suggestions if you have concerns like this is a terrible idea i want to hear it all at this point because it's still being put together um i would love to connect with any and everyone about anxiety depression and spirituality um and i can give you further details feel free to shoot me an email because that's the only thing going for holy right now um you can reach uh, me at holy w-h-o-l-l-y f-l-a so holy florida uh, at gmail.com I've I've literally kindred friends. If you're listening, I've got a couple names in mind that I'm gonna send your way, Matt. Please do because I want to hear from you. I want people to be a part of shaping this, and I want I want us to turn to each other and heal each other a bit. Um, so thank you for allowing me uh, that at that time because I this brings joy to me. I'm excited. No, That's awesome. Yeah, and and there's no cost. Like I'm not. There's no profit to be had. It's like we're just gonna c- come together and do gospel stuff. Yeah. And by gospel, I mean like human stuff, like good news for everybody's stuff. <laughs> no preaching, no preaching.
Okay. I've I've recently searched uh, email or uh, um, not email, but like web addresses. Yeah, is it available? And I, I don't want to say them publicly, but I will as soon as we stop recording. Appreciate I will tell you my 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 personal recommendations. Appreciate it. All right, All right I'm so going to cheers to being your full self and to transformation and. What do you say? Your whole self. My holy self is what I would say. <laughs> That's it. Thank you. <laughs> Um, gosh. Um, I will I, cheers. Go ahead, oh, wait. Oh, so, sorry. I thought you cheers to holy. I don't oh, want to cut holy. you off. Cheer, cheer. Yes. And you know what, Courtney, you said it. I mean, that's exactly it. Cheers to being whole human beings as in a very particular way, God was a whole human being with us. I will cheers to uh, the CPE process. Mm. Uh, I think it produces... Uh, even in my ham-fisted attempt to re reproduce that process, uh, I've seen tremendous results in the people that we have worked with. And certainly, it is reaffirmed when I talk to you, Matt Kern, a product of CPE yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, there is just something to having genuine, like to the bone conversations with people who are trustworthy in, in the context of like a safe covenant kind of relationship. Oh yeah. It it's, it's about the only thing I've seen that really, really universally helps people in significant ways. So here's the cheers to that. May we be better disciples as a result. Cheers. cheers to CPE. Amen. Chin chin. Good night, everybody.